Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. This morning I was up at Maitland at our church there in Rutherford and, um, and you can actually get there now. Uh, the flood wars have subsided. Um, actually driving up there, there's still a lot of flooding there. It's, it's quite interesting. Um, I was there about 18 months ago and, uh, and I shared with this with them because it's really cool up there and it's growing and there's just a beautiful feel and uh, Phil and Vicky who are leading, leading things there, they're just they're so warm and it's great and, and I was there about 18 months ago and, and afterwards I was just chatting to someone and they said, oh, the honeymoon phase, they'll be over it pretty soon and, uh, and they have more than tripled in size since then. It's a pretty good honeymoon phase. And I said that to them this morning, and they're like, no, we're loving it. And it's fantastic. Like, the only thing that's not good is their elevator doesn't work. And someone got trapped in it last week. And, uh, yeah, and it was like halfway between floors. And anyway, um, whoops. Um, so, anyway, it is, it's cool. And it's, uh, it's exciting to know that we have, like, part of our family kind of 40 minutes away, 35 minutes away. And, and they're growing and reaching that region. And it's just super cool. It's great, and they're sort of part of our, our wider body, and that is, that is great. So, do you ever worry? No. Who said no? Come on, Hannah. You, you worry sometimes? I worry sometimes. Every now and then, yeah. Little worries, big worries. Have a couple of worries. Tonight, I want to talk it'll be a bit about worry. Now, when I was at uni, no one worried. There was this guy in my course, and he was known as Tristan the Stressor. And he was the only stressed guy in my course. It was Tristan the Stresser. And it's quite funny because no one else was stressed. And he was like the one stressed guy I knew, Tristan the Stresser. And I still remember it because everyone's like, oh, that's Tristan. He's a stressor. He stresses. No one else stressed. I was never stressed, never worried. But Tristan, he was. And now I think everyone's worried at some point. Maybe a few of you aren't, and that's fantastic. But if you look around the world, people are worried. And in the last few years, they actually started to do surveys of uh, a whole bunch of nations, it was like a worry index, what worries people most. And, um, and a few years ago, COVID was the main worry. And now that's sunk right down. And the biggest worry is inflation in like 19 different nations. And uh, so globally, we have all these different worries. So we have our personal worries, things that worry us. We have global worries. Um, we now have what you could call a, um, a digital nervous system where we actually feel things. You feel things that happen on the other side of the world. They don't happen here, but you know, something might happen in another country and you, you feel it as though it's happened here. And we can worry about things that you know, hundreds of years ago we would never have known about. And, and, and I, I notice that things inside the church don't seem to be too different to things outside in the rest of the world when it comes to worry. Like we tend to worry a lot as Christians. And, now, I believe that Jesus has a different path for us. In fact, he has a different way of living, a different perspective for us to live under because I believe he doesn't want us to be people of worry. In fact, I think it sort of almost goes against following Jesus to be a warrior. And so, so tonight I want to talk about this. And, um, and we, can, we can worry about, about so many things, so, so many things. 
But let me, let me read. We're going to read um, Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, a physical copy, well done. Extra points for you. Uh, but we're going to read Matthew chapter 6. And we've been working through this. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is some of his like, key teachings and all packed into the three chapters here. And right in the middle of this, he talks about this. He says this from verse 25. But that is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Like if you add them all together, does it add anything? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Yeah, they didn't work make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory is not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he, certainly, he, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then this is key. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words of Jesus, about 2,000 years of incredible wisdom here. We pray that you'll speak to us now. We give you permission to invade our hearts and our minds to speak through your word to us now, Jesus. Amen. We can worry about a heap of things. And, and some of these things you can worry about, are like legitimate things. You worry about your family. You care for your family. You want the best for them. So you, you can be worried about their welfare and about making sure you've got everything right. We can, we can worry about our image. We can worry about our bodies. We can worry about what we wear. We can worry about pleasure and health and success and security and finding romantic love. And we can worry about literally everything. There's a term that's been coined recently. You might have heard this. If you heard the term doom scrolling, Essentially, if you haven't heard of it, you've probably done it at some point, possibly. Well, you sit online, maybe on social media or on news sites, and you scroll, and you read, and you read, and you go, this doesn't feel good, yet I find myself here an hour later still reading, still reading probably something negative, or I'm feeling negative and scrolling through social media trying to find something that will make me feel a bit better, yet I know it's not doing me any good. I'm feeling this impending sense of doom, but I'm looking for some form of answer. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself, or, or there's some, you know, something happening on the other side of the world and you start reading articles and you're like, maybe if I can read all the articles, I can get to the bottom of this and understand this and feel some sense of control and you don't find any. It's doom scrolling. Uh, a psychologist said this, people doom scroll for many reasons. The main reason is as a way of feeling control in a world that feels so out of control all the time. But it doesn't help, does it? So when we're worried, sometimes we can do that. Um, people, when they're feeling anxious, sometimes can go to social media and, and then you find yourself looking at people with beautiful, perfect families and perfect bodies and then you realize you feel even more anxious than you did before. That didn't help. So then what else can we do? Maybe you just don't worry. Has anyone ever told you not to worry? Just don't worry. Have you ever tried that? So strangely though, when you try to not do something, you end up doing a whole lot more of it. So if I say, don't think about a pink elephant, 
just try really hard to not think about a pink elephant for one minute and you find that your brain keeps going back to the pink elephant. Whereas if I hadn't said it at all, you would never have thought of a pink elephant. And so when we try not to worry, we inevitably worry even more. And it's actually really helpful that Jesus knew this. When he said this, he knew exactly that we were doing this. In fact, it's like he's saying, I know you're going to worry. I know it. I know you well. I know you're going to worry. But I have the antidote to worry. And he says, you're going to worry. You're going to worry about your food and your clothes. And I think food and clothes can actually, they, another way we could look at that is accumulation and accomplishment. You want to accumulate things. You want to get the things that you think you need or the things that you think are going to fill you in some way. Maybe they're actual needs. You want to accomplish something. You either want to be seen to look accomplished. You want people to notice it or you want to have that illusion or, or you want to accomplish lots. You want to do something. And, and he says, I know you're going to worry about these things. And then he says, don't worry. Oh, that's a bit simple. But he doesn't want you just to not worry. What he wants for you is a complete perspective shift. Like the, the way you see the world is entirely different. He doesn't say your worry is, in, is not important. He just says you're more valuable than you think you are. And he says, here's how you don't worry. You seek first the kingdom of God. You put Jesus first. The reason he says that is because we don't. We tend to put everything else first. So take all your worry focus. So you know, like you have all your worry energy, the energy you spend on worrying. It's like you take all that. And he's saying, place that on me. Like place that on me. Seek my perspective. Seek my rule. Seek my reign. In the message, it says this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Your entire attention. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow because it might not happen. We can spend, have you ever spent time worrying about something that didn't happen? You really like stressed about it and it just never happened? Like, let down. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. If we keep our perspective on him first. I feel like sometimes we can go, yeah, but like, it's all good to say in church, yeah, keep my eyes on Jesus. That's good. That's all a bit too super spiritual for me because I actually have a real life. Like I have to go and make lunches tomorrow and cook and clean and organize my life and I have to go to work and I've got to do like actual things. I can't just keep my eyes on Jesus all the time. Like it's a little bit, of, you know, a bit airy fairy a bit sort of super, like there's a few people in the room who go, yeah, they could probably keep their eyes on Jesus. But I've got some actual stuff to do. All right. And it's funny because we sort of can almost act like that, yet we have these insurmountable problems. And you go, well, I've still got my worries and I'm trying to manage my life and it's not working. And I find myself worried. And so I want to talk to you about a few things, but to do this, I want to look that's the story of David and Goliath. Do you, do you know this story? So David was a shepherd boy, and he was the bottom of the social rung, bottom in his family. He was the runt of the litter, overlooked by everyone. He was tending his father's flocks of sheep in a field in the back of nowhere. No one cared about him. He was there developing a relationship with God, really. And his brother's were in the Israelite army. Now, their army came up against the Philistines, and 
And in normal sort of military situations, you would have two armies who'd face off and they would all fight each other. Yet the Philistines thought, hang on, we're going to do something different. We're going to send out a human giant, nine foot tall, and we're going to have him take on your best fighter. And the Israelites said, we have no idea what to do right now because no one wants to take on a nine foot giant that's been killing people since it was a baby. We might just park ourselves here. And so they're at this stalemate. And then David is sent by his father to deliver cheese to his brothers. Just proves how low in social, the social ladder he was. I was like, we don't know what else to do with you. Go deliver cheese. And so he delivers cheese and everyone would have thought, yeah, great. Here's cheese boy bringing the cheese to his brothers. And his brother's basically like, what are you doing here? Like, you're a waste of space. Go back and hang out with your sheep. And it's fascinating because David comes in, not with a military perspective, but with a completely different perspective. He sees the entire situation with totally different eyes. And I want to read to you from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. I think we got it up here. It says this, David, now King Saul He's the king at the time. And David said, look, I, I can take on this guy. So David goes to Saul and he says this, let, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, meaning David, will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and seized the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the, and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord who is faithful in the wilderness will be faithful now. Now, armies, um, I, I'm, I'm not exactly a military expert. Um, but Mark Sayers writes about this. He says that armies are a top-down hierarchical organization. And they're really good at executing tasks at best practice, but they can struggle to, to pivot, to change in, in different situations like, like this one, when there's some sort of new threat. And when David arrived, he arrived with a different perspective. And his perspective gave him a decisive asymmetrical advantage. So when he walked onto that battlefield, he had a complete asymmetrical advantage. He wasn't part of an army. He wasn't part of a hierarchical system. He could walk in and see this whole situation with a complete different perspective. His perceived limitations enabled him to see everything entirely differently. And what we see as a miraculous victory, David saw a target he couldn't miss. When he looked at Goliath, he saw a target that there's a big gap right here in his forehead. He's like, I'm good with a sling. I can't miss that. That's a massive head. <laughs> David had won the victory before he even stepped on the battlefield. He didn't get out there and thought, think, I'm going to have to work out what to do. He had already won the victory before he stepped out there. And Goliath had no clue what was coming. When you face a worry, and your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you have a decisive asymmetrical advantage because you don't come at the worry or the situation the way the rest of the world does, seeing this as some insurmountable giant. You come in with the eyes of Jesus going, 
I see this whole situation completely differently. I don't see a worry I can't get past. I see something that can be easily defeated. Faith is refusal to panic. When our faith is in Jesus, we refuse to panic. I don't don't need to panic. So God had David's attention first. He saw everything differently. Bill Johnson says this, everything comes under the influence of what I give my attention to. If David had only seen Goliath, he would have been overwhelmed. But Goliath was not what he had placed his attention on. When you place all your attention on your worries, everything comes under the influence of that. Have you been around a warrior like Tristan the Stresser? You know that everything they see is a worry. Everything, because everything comes under the influence of the fact that I'm constantly looking at worries. If you're doom scrolling 24-7, the whole world looks like the worst place in the world. When your eyes are fixed on Jesus, your limitations actually make way for creative solutions. You actually see your limitations. So David's limitation in the fact that he was not a warrior that he couldn't fit King Saul's army, actually allowed him the space to come up with a creative solution. So when he bent down to pick up stones, everyone thought he was, they had no clue what he was doing. He was thinking, I have actually a very creative solution for this. Um, In fact, when he threw that stone out of his sling, the speed with which that rock was flying was more like a bullet. So when it hit Goliath, it would have been like he would not have even had a chance to move out of his way. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen. Take all your effort stressing and worrying and plotting and planning and channel that into seeking the kingdom. So when you seek God's rule in the world, you wait for it, you search for it, you're looking for God's asymmetrical advantage in the situation. You're looking to him first. So if you you have some sort of problem, you can say, God, how, how would you see this? How do you see this situation? Sometimes um, in our family, like when Silas is stressing about something, we might just say, let's say like, he's five, by the way. We might just say like, whoa, whoa, like back it up, back it up. You know, sometimes you've just had to back it up a bit. You just have to say, whoa, whoa, back it up. Like, let me just see this a little bit differently. Let me step away from it a bit. If you're too close, you can't see around and you back it up. You Give me a fresh perspective. Help me to see this whole thing a little differently. God, help me to see this the way you do. Because you're not bothered by this. Have you noticed that God isn't bothered by our problems? He's never stressed. God is never stressed. Never worried. Now, last term, I was with a uh, certain year 12 class. And we were talking about service. And I showed a bit of this video um, with Erwin McManus, a pastor from LA. He's fantastic. But there was this section where he talked about this exact story with King David. And it got to the section there in verse 36 where it says, uncircumcised Philistine. And this one boy in the class, he goes, gee, that's oddly specific. And he was just floored. He's like, how did they even know? Really, really strange. Did they check? And I was like, I don't don't know. And I realized that, you know, in Christian life studies at our school, we don't study Judaism. As much in my year 11 studies of religion class had been looking at Judaism and they could have told him that this was a sign of the covenant, the covenant between God and Israel or a sign that, that Goliath was not part of the covenant between God and Israel. 
It's a sign that you were one of God's people. It's not just about body modification. It's a sign that you are one of God's. And so when David stepped onto that field, what he's saying here is, that guy is not one of God's, but I am. So when you face a situation, any worry, you actually can face it going, I'm one of God's people. Now, when hopelessness or worry comes in, it's a bit like an oil light. Have you had the oil light coming on in your car recently? Has anyone ever ignored it? It's like it's a costly experiment. So when we were kids, actually, mum used to um, try to see how far she could get the car to run um, without any petrol. And, uh, and you'd hop in the car and there'd be, there'd be like the oil, the petrol light would be on. When we, you know, and she'd be like, don't worry, you've got two days. No, I never ran out of petrol. And oil light is quite different. And hopelessness and worry are a bit like an oil light. And they're telling you that you're believing one of two lies. Either God isn't with me or God isn't for me. So when you're feeling worried or hopeless, like if the oil light came in, in your car, my, the oil light came on my car the other day and I did something about it straight away because I know that that's not a good sign. So often though we get fearful and worry. And instead of seeing it like an oil light, we go, hang on, I'm either thinking that God is not with me or God is not for me. We actually don't think either of those things. We just believe that God is not with me or God is not for me. We start to believe that lie. And so when you face a worry and you're starting to believe, oh, God's not with me, then it's time to go, actually, no, God, God is with me. This is my, I'm going to change my declaration. I need to top up my oil with some God is with me. Maybe I'm thinking God isn't for me. He actually doesn't want the best for me. I mean, I saying your goodness is running after me, but I didn't really mean it. Um, Gabby's saying it with great conviction, but you know, she's like more spiritual than me. So um, no, no, I need to top up my oil, oil tank with some God is for me. He's actually for me. I need to tell myself that God is with me and he is for me. In fact, David wrote, and I read this Psalm to you at the start. David wrote in Psalm 27, yet I am confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Not just when I die, because we know that, but I'm confident I'll actually see his goodness here. I'm confident of it. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So worry and anxiety are actually, they're, they're, they're conquered when we place Jesus first. The Lord is going to be so faithful to you. Another version says this, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life. And all these things will be given to you as well. It's sort of like a payoff. Like, make God your top priority. Keep your eyes totally fixed on him. Keep your attention fully on Jesus. And when that oil light comes on, what do you do? I keep my attention back on Jesus. It's a sign that I've taken my attention off Jesus. I've started to look at everything else. I've started to let my worries become Goliaths. And they seem bigger than they really are. I've taken my attention off Jesus. When you start to feel worried and stressed, that means that you are focusing on the wrong thing. Got your eyes fixed on something different. I almost feel like it's when David rocked up on the, on the battlefield, everyone was sort of blinded by the light and overwhelmed by Goliath, and he sort of turned up with his Polaroid Oakleys, you know, his sonnies, his speed dealers. And he's like, he's like, I have complete, I can see clearly, guys. I know exactly what I'm doing here. 
Do you, you know what I mean? It's, it's like he, the, he just saw the whole situation with fresh eyes. So, I want to read you a story. Do you know, you know Mother Teresa? Not personally. You know of her. She's, she's an amazing missionary in Calcutta in India. And a Jesuit philosopher and ethicist, John Kavanagh, went to visit her. And he spent three months in the house of the dying. And he's trying to work out how best to spend the rest of his life. He's trying to work out, like, what do I do with the rest of my life? I've sort of been going for a bit. And he was waiting for this moment to meet Mother Teresa. And he sort of carried this question with her that he wanted to ask her. And when he finally met her, he asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she said. Then he uttered this request. He said, clarity. Pray that I have clarity. Have you ever prayed for clarity? I've prayed for that many times. No, Mother Teresa said, I will not. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh said that she always seemed to have clarity, the kind of clarity he was looking for, she just laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Isn't that great? I've prayed for clarity so many times. And I've always wondered why God didn't always give it. And the reason is because if I had clarity, I would trust my own vision. I would trust that I know the right thing to do. And then I would stop looking at him and I would just look wherever I want. Because I know what to do. But when I have trust, I'm not focused on what I think I can do. Because I can't always see clearly. I have to trust the one who is guiding me. There are two ways we can see Jesus. We can either see him as a politician who we vote for because he offers the good life that we think we want. We say, oh, I have a vision of the good life and Jesus, you can actually meet that vision and so I will vote for you. Here's here's my vote. You're my guy because I know that you're going to make life great. And then when you don't answer all my prayers, we can become very jaded very quickly because Jesus isn't offering me the good life I wanted. Alternatively, we can see Jesus as a skilled mountain guide who says, this path is really tricky. It's dangerous, but I know the right way. I've been there before. And if you follow me, I will get you to where you need to go. I can promise you that around the corner, I know there's actually been an avalanche and I know how to avoid that. I know that there's this tricky path to get through, but I've walked that before. And if you keep close behind me, if you watch me, if you seek me, if you search me out, if you follow me, I will show you the right way to go. Jesus is not your politician. He's your guide. And he doesn't give you a map, doesn't give you clarity because he wants to be your guide. He wants you to keep your eyes fixed on him. And church, that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need Christians who think they have all the answers, but Christians who say, I just keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I've become a non-anxious presence because I fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm not a non-anxious presence because I'm better than anyone else. I'm non-anxious because I just have my perspective shifted by Jesus. I have an asymmetrical advantage in the world. I'm not better than anyone else, but I do have an asymmetrical advantage because I have my perspective focused on Jesus. So I believe that God is not looking for superstars, but obedience when no one's watching. David was obedient in the wilderness, fighting lions and bears. And next when he finds himself in front of thousands of soldiers defeating a giant. 
but he was obedient when no one was watching. And I believe that God wants our trust in simple things. Like just start small. God, can I trust you with small things, with the obvious, before I trust you with mysteries? Um, worry is inconsistent with faith in Jesus. Worry is all about tomorrow, but experience today. And when we're anxious, when we're upset in the present, we're worried about things that may never happen. And it, you can see so clearly how a worry can take your attention. It can take your attention off the people around you, and it clearly takes your attention off Jesus. And as a church, we, we, I don't believe Jesus wants us to be a worrying church. He wants us to be a free church. People who aren't bound by worries, but who are free. Can you imagine if you were completely free? Like free in every way, physically, like you could actually run fast, imagine, you know, mentally, emotionally, financially, like whatever, just his aim is actually for freedom for us. And we allow ourselves so easily to be bound by things that he's like, I never wanted you to be bound by that. I want you to be free. When, when Silas was a baby, I had this moment, like, I love being a dad, it's great. And I had all these like amazing revelations, you know, when I first became a dad. And I had this one time where I was changing his nappy, I think, he's lying on the change table. I'm looking at him like, this is, this is amazing, this is super cool. Like, he's, he's my boy. And I'm looking down at him and I'm like, I'm your dad. And like, I was looking at him, looking at his face, and he looked straight past me at a reflection on the wall. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm your dad. Like, flesh of my flesh, you know, like this is we're blood. Look me in the face, son. Look at me. And he's there just looking at it. It was sort of this light reflection on the wall. Like, come on. And I felt... So clearly God say, and that is exactly how you are with me. It was like a velvet sledgehammer. It was crushing but soft. It was like, that is, I've been trying to get your attention for so long. You are focused on reflections and shadows and I'm looking at you. Like God is saying, I am your father. I am looking you full in the face and you're so distracted by everything else. Saying, if only you could just look me in the face. Look at me. Do you find it like weird to look someone in the face sometimes? You know, stare at someone. Every now and then with the boys, I love to just look them in the face and tell them I love them. And sometimes they're kind of like, what are you doing? And God is saying, I want you just to look at me. Don't be distracted. Don't worry about everything else. Look at me and I can promise I will sort everything else out. I love you that much. I love you so much. If you can look at me, everything else, I will sort out. So can I pray for you? Can we pray together? I believe that God actually wants you to be able to be worry-free, to take all that worrying energy and attention you've done and place it on him and say, Jesus, I want to seek you first above everything else. I want to be free from worry. I desire to be a non anxious presence in the world, in my workplace, in my home, on the streets of Newcastle, wherever I am, I want to be someone who is not bound by the worries of the world, but completely free. In 1 Peter 5, it talks about casting our cares. Like you imagine if you're fishing, is anyone a good fisherman here? Has anyone ever done a really bad cast and you hook someone with your hook? 
We need to be good at casting, not bad casters. We need to be good at casting our care, saying, Jesus, I have another care. I want to send it your way. I'm not going to keep my attention on it. I'm bringing it over to you because I'm keeping my attention on you. So would you stand up and worship team? Do you guys want to jump up? I'd love just to be able to pray for you. And as we said this morning, we're, we're as I said before, we're, we're family. And different people can be carrying different, different fears, different worries, different stresses. And I believe God wants to release some faith tonight that we can trust him over ourselves to deal with the stresses and worries of the world. And when we were young, mum always taught us to pray with our hands out like this when we were offering things to Jesus. If you, if you hold your hands like this, you, you kind of, well, you're not letting go of things. But if I bring my stresses and worries to Jesus like this, I say, here it is, I'm, I'm casting it your way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not under the illusion that I can be in control. I'm trusting you and your way. I want to be free from worry. I desire to be like Jesus, a non-anxious presence in the world. So if you want, if you want to join me like that, you might like to put your hands out. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you that your desire for us is that we are people who don't worry but seek your kingdom, seek your face first. Seek your rule and reign in the world. Lord, I thank you that your desire is that we would each be a non-anxious presence. Someone free from worry, who has complete trust in you. So I release faith in Jesus' name over every one of us. We release faith in Jesus' name for the victory over fear, victory over worry, faith for victory over, over sickness. Lord, may we be people who have our eyes so fixed on you that the cares and the worries of this world don't bother us, that we have a perspective shift, that we will, we're aware of the asymmetrical advantage we have when we keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, increase our faith to know that you are a good God who loves us. Lord, I release faith right now over each one of us. An increased faith, an increased trust in the goodness of God, knowing that you are here, that you are with us. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight just experiencing fears of the future, existential dread or fears about tomorrow, whatever it may be. May we have trust in place of fear and worry. Lord, for people tonight who are concerned about relationships and family dynamics and, and situations that seem insurmountable, Lord, we pray faith and trust over worry and fear. Lord, for people tonight who are, who are so bothered by things that are happening globally, things that seem just far too big to deal with, we pray for faith and trust in Jesus' name above fear and worry. That we place our attention fully on you, our, our God, our King, our Protector, our Father. Praise you, Jesus. Pray you release faith now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use 
keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.